Hey, good morning, everyone. Uh, Debbie is joining me today because today we're talking about keeping Christ at the center of our relationship. And this might be a surprising take on a message a couple of days before Valentine's Day because uh, today we're going to talk about how uh, the Lord has planned it so that as we live out our lives together in a committed marriage relationship, that uh, when we do that, it, the marriage actually makes us a little more like Christ because it makes us more forgiving, it makes us more loving, makes us more willing to put the needs of the other person ahead of our own to make us more like Jesus. I told somebody about that on the way in today and they said, oh, so you're talking about the parts of marriage that really stink. And I go, yes, that's what we're talking about. Because that's what our culture says, right? That, that Valentine's Day is all about flowers and chocolate and chill bumps. And I, I kind of like flowers and chocolate yeah, yeah, and I chill know. bumps. Yeah, I know. Well, yeah, that's why you're here. Yeah. <laughs> um, when you first showed, when John first showed me this outline, I was, um, I was a little shocked, actually. I was like, whoa, this is not the, um, the happy little talk that I thought it would be. It's a little bit more difficult. And it, it's probably because most of us, when we think about getting married, we think about our own personal happiness. Who can I find that's going to make me happy, that's going to give me chocolate and flowers and make and life really, really fun? And, um, and then you got me. <laughs> I didn't say that, but, um, you know, it's just, uh, you remember that book that came out, uh, Rick Warren, he did a, the purpose driven life. Yeah. One of the, the first thing he said in the book is it's not about me. And that's what I kept thinking about when I was reading this and going over this marriage is not about me. There is a higher goal. There is a higher purpose. Yeah, and it's not that God doesn't want us to have romance and companionship and fun. It's that there's more. And what we find out is some of the things we say are the parts of marriage that stink the most are actually things that God uses for eternal good. I mean, it shouldn't surprise us that some of the things our world thinks are most important, God says, well, you got it exactly opposite. And this is one of those areas where we would say, hey, if you have to forgive a person over and over again, if you have to serve a person and love them and put their needs first over and over again, you obviously married the wrong person. Go find somebody you don't have to do that with. And the Bible would say, oh, no, no. God is using every one of those opportunities to rub off some edges in your life and bring out beauty in your life you didn't even know was there. And today we want to talk about that. You'll see that from the scripture. It's, it's a profound revelation, but this is something that God wants us all to experience, and marriage is, one, is a gift to us, even at times when it feels like it's difficult. So would you pray for us? Yeah, let's pray together. Holy Father, I thank you for everyone that's here today. I thank you for um, your word. Um, I thank you that it, were nev it never returns void. So Lord, uh, I pray that you would do a mighty work in our hearts and minds today. Teach us what you want us to learn, and I pray that everything we say up here would bring you um, glory. It's the name of Jesus that we pray these things. Amen. Amen. So those of you watching online, you can go to centeringlives.com and get the message notes, but you'll see the point A. For those of you who are watching where you got the notes in front of you, this is point A. A personal relationship with Jesus is the most important relationship we can have. I mean, we celebrate Jesus here. We uh, invite people to come into a personal relationship with Jesus all the time because uh, Jesus died on the cross to pay the penalty for our sins. Jesus is preparing a place for us in heaven. Jesus is going to come get us soon when everything's ready. Jesus told his father to send us the Holy Spirit who would empower us and give us the desire and the power to do what pleases him. And that's all possible through relationship with Jesus. And if you agree with those statements that that's good news, would you say amen? 
Okay. But John, you know, that's where I think we are thinking is a little bit wrong because we think about um, the most important relationship in our life is being our spouse. And that's not if, I mean, our spouse will disappoint us. Our spouse, in some cases, may leave us. Our spouse may die. And so that can't be the most important relationship in our life. It's not permanent. Jesus has to be the most important relationship that we have. So listen to a couple of scriptures about this. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. My sins are forgiven. I've got the Holy Spirit in me. I now have the mind of Christ. He's helped me think differently about things. He's changing the way I look at the whole world. I'm a new person. Man, that's why, I mean, my wife has brought so much joy into my life and she has been my companion through so many circumstances. But darling, I hope it doesn't offend you, but Jesus is better than you are. <laughs> you know, and I feel the same way about yeah, you. Yeah, right back at you. Okay, yeah. And we have to think that way. Listen to Paul, Philippians 3.8. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus is my Lord. For his sake, I've discarded any, everything else, counting it all as garbage so I could gain Christ. And then this is Jesus himself talking about this in Luke 14, 26. If you want to be my disciple, you must, by comparison, hate everyone else. Your father, your mother, wife, children, brothers, sisters. Yes, even your own life. Even your own life. Otherwise, you cannot be my disciple. Happy wow. Valentine's Day. Anyway, uh, no, but it's true, though. It's true, though, isn't it? It is true because you can put all of your focus on your family, on your kids, on your spouse, and it's not that you shouldn't focus on them somewhat, but you have to keep it in perspective. This is the best reminder that we can give you is that Jesus comes first. And the funny thing is, is as I pursue Jesus and I pursue him and a relationship with him, that he blesses all those other relationships. They all are better because of my love for Christ. Yeah, I mean, God changes us and gives us the love we need. I mean, he's the source of love. And he gives us the willingness to serve because he is grace and generosity itself. He's the source of all of it. And by the way, as two individuals, as each of us grows closer to Jesus, well, you can see that on that trajectory, we're automatically growing closer to each other. That brings us to a life application here. And this is where this applies to you. You may not be thinking about getting married anytime soon. Oh my goodness, I walked in here and now they're talking about marriage. I'm not getting married anytime soon. Well, if you're dating anybody, if you're thinking that you ever want to get married, this applies to you. I mean, from time to time, I meet people that go, you talk about marriage and stuff. You know, I'm not thinking about getting married. Why do I need to listen to that? I go, well, I hope someday you want to retire. Well, you got to think about retirement plans when you're 20, not when you're 68. Okay, you better be preparing for that. If you ever want to retire, you got to get ready for the retirement plan. If you ever want to get married, you got to talk about this. And already you could ask anybody who's been married for at least 20 years, and they will tell you, I wish I could go back on a time machine and tell myself exactly what you've covered already. Because this is life-changing stuff. Would you read that uh, uh, verse, those verses from 2 Corinthians 6, please? Uh, don't team up with those who are unbelievers. How can righteousness be a partner with wickedness? How can light live with darkness? What harmony can there be between Christ and the devil? How can a believer be a partner with an unbeliever? Yeah, and I want to tell you, and so this was the, I didn't fill in the blank there, and I'm going to get angry emails if I don't tell you what it is. So anyway, uh, 
people who love Jesus need to only date and marry people who love Jesus for the exact reason we talked about. If we're on the same trajectory, then we're going toward God. Now, if you become a Christian when both of you got married and other things and you didn't know Christ, well, that, we'll talk about that in a little bit. But I just want to say, if you have the choice moving forward, this is a big deal. Because if God is my life and I want him to be in control of my time and my money and my temper, I want him to be in control of my marriage and give me love for my spouse, a biblical kind of love. And I want to worship together with other Christians and I have a desire to serve and all these things. And I'm married to somebody who doesn't want to do any of those things. Well, you can see how this is going to be a hard thing in our relationship. Does this make sense to everyone? So if you're dating somebody, why on earth would you date somebody who's going the wrong way? How could, how could we do this? And many times you and I have people come see us all the time. They tell us they've fallen in love with somebody. And then we ask them, hey, are they a believer? And uh, they go, well, I, you know, I, they don't go to church or read the Bible or pray or anything like that. But, but I think they, they sure be- are cute. Yeah. They were- and they're so fun. And you know what? I would just say, don't put yourself in a position to fall in love with a non-believer. That's why you shouldn't even date a non-believer because your heart is going to be at risk here of falling in love with somebody who's not at the same place where you are spiritually. I cannot imagine us not um, pursuing Christ in our relationship. It's made our relationship so much better. I mean, so much better. I can't even imagine um, having someone that was preventing me from growing or not encouraging me from growing closer to the Lord. I mean, it would just make life miserable. Yeah. So please don't hear us say, John said you should never even have be friends with people who aren't going to church and committed believers. That's not what we're saying at all. This is about romantic relationships and dating, hoping the relationship will draw you closer together. Because you're not going to change somebody. That's the other thing. Everybody's like, well, you know, we'll get married and then we'll work on that. That'll be the goal. I'll get them to go to church with me. I'll get them to, you know, to love God at some point. Well, nobody wants to be married to somebody that's out to change them. I mean, can you imagine if the other person was doing the same thing, telling their friends, hey, I'm going to change her. I'm going to change him. Golly. Well, we can pray for that for people. But it's like if you have the opportunity to to choose who you're going to spend the rest of your life with, this is important. By the way, I just want to remind us, believing in God isn't the same thing as loving Jesus. James 2.19 says, you believe there's one God, good for you. Even the demons believe that, and they tremble in terror. Devil's not an atheist. He believes in God. He just hates him. Happy Valentine's Day. Anyway, uh, just going to keep saying that. You go, John, this is a terrible Valentine's Day talk. Well, hang with it. It gets better. Okay. Uh, God uses marriage relationships to make us look a little more like Jesus every day. This is the first thing I want to get to. It's like some of those things we're talking about, the the hardest part, well, God is bringing that in. Um, He knows who we are. In fact, Debbie, would you read Romans 5, please, those verses? For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. Yeah, since eternity passed, God has planned to make you look more like Jesus and make me look more like Jesus. Now, he's going to bring all sorts of influences, our neighbors, our jobs, all, all kinds of circumstances in our life that will help shape us. But marriage is an incredible gift for getting that done because it's 24 hours a day, seven days a week. I mean, you can be shaped at work, but you can go home from work. I come home, 
she's, she's, she lives there. I'm still here. Yeah, there we go. And so I brought with us, uh, tell everybody what this is. Those are some polished rocks that I got as a child. I had an uncle that lived in Birmingham that was a chemist and um, he was super smart. But anyway, he loved rocks and they had a basement downstairs that was just all rocks. I mean, they had rocks all over the place and he constantly had a machine running to polish these rocks and they were gorgeous. And I, he would always let us pick out the ones that we liked and they're, they're, they're shiny and smooth and pretty and so many colors and... Yeah, but they don't start out that way. They start out just pretty much like an ordinary rock. But the way a rock gets polished is you put it in what's called a rock tumbler. And it's just a little drum where you put the rocks in together with some sort of grit. Like you got to think like sandpaper grit. And it's a liquid type of grit. And it's coarse and medium and fine. And you run this through seven days a week, 24 hours a day. It just tumbles down there with a little motor on. And you put it somewhere because it's really loud. Okay. But as you tumble these things, and each week you get it finer and finer, and then you finally put the right grid in there to polish it and run it for weeks again, then what happens is you take an ordinary, ugly stone, and it comes out. I mean, some of these quartz crystals and other things here, they're just absolutely fascinating to look at because all kinds of beautiful colors and stripes and shapes come out of this that didn't start out that way. And the Bible tells us that's what God's doing with us when he gives us a spouse someone to love, to spend our, our lives with, that he's polishing us. Here are three important areas. Uh, through marriage, we learn to put others' needs ahead of our own. We learn to put others' needs ahead of our own. Jesus put the need, all of our needs in front of his own when he died for us on the cross. I mean, this is what Paul was talking about in Philippians 2. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Think of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. You may have the same attitude. That way, you must, you must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had, putting the needs of others first. And this is something that happens over and over again in marriage. It's really true. Debbie, would you read the second reference too from Ephesians 5? Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. For wives, this means submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For husbands, this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her. You know, that's a verse that a lot of women get hung up on because it's like, oh, I have to submit to my husband. Why would it say that? Well, it's actually submit to one another out of reverence to Christ. I submit to him, but he has to die for me. That's what that verse says. So <laughs> that's not a bad deal. Yeah, I got that going for me. No, it's true. And do you realize that over and over and over again, you can ask anybody who's been married, you and I are going to have to choose that. You got to go watch a movie. It doesn't have one explosion in it. <laughs> and it's called entertainment. You know, John, when you're single, it's easy to, um, I don't know, it's just easier to be a Christian. You don't have someone else that you have to give up anything for. Uh, you just get to do what you want to do. And then all of a sudden you get married and all of a sudden it's like, oh man, I got to, I got to do what he wants to do. I have to think about him now. I've got to, we can't spend all the money on me. It's got to be on both what we both want. And all of a sudden your whole world changes and it's like, now I need to put his needs ahead of my own. And that's not easy to do. Because 
that's the way Jesus thinks. And so now all of a sudden, one of the worst parts about marriage, oh, that's, that's a good thing, right? By the way, if you're dating again, big red flag, if you're dating someone and they never want to go your way, they always want to make it about them. Well, why would they change after they put a ring on? Got to evaluate that because this is part of it. And if we're both willing to submit and Christ is at the center of our relationship, man, there's tons of love that can go around. And when we learn to put other people's needs ahead of our own, we see that a lot of stuff we wanted wasn't important anyway. Secondly, through marriage, we learn to forgive. Get rid of all the bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. Are you happy that Jesus forgave all your sins? Amen. Would you like to become like him and be able to forgive everybody who's done you wrong? Amen. Uh, amens are a lot quieter on that one. <laughs> I got to learn to forgive again and again. So does she. That's what marriage is. It's a gift. I mean, you know, all those times I made you mad, I was helping you out. She thanks. Good job. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, but it's true, isn't it? It is true. We learn to forgive. It's that verse in James that says, consider all joy when you encounter trials of various kinds. Mm. Because that testing your faith, it develops your character. And it says that in the end, it makes you mature and complete, lacking nothing. Well, that's what marriage does. It's that constant opportunity to grow to be challenged. And that brings us to the third part. Through marriage, we learn to endure. We learn to endure. Listen to this verse, 1 Corinthians 13, 7. Love never gives up, never loses faith. It's always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. <sighs> that works with chocolate right there. That's the kind of love. Now we're talking Valentine's Day. That's the kind of love I'm looking for. Well, guess how you get that kind of love? We can rejoice too, this is Paul, Romans 5, we can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials for we know that they help us develop endurance, which is what that verse said. To always be hopeful, never quit. We think we can buy that kind of relationship off the rack. Nobody starts out loving people that way. That's why we have to learn to put other people's needs first. We have to learn to forgive. And as we do that, we grow in endurance. Endurance is developed. And it's only developed through those difficult times that give you that opportunity to choose to endure. Yeah, we, we mistake this all the time. I've had to do this over and over again. Well, yeah. I mean, sometimes we pray, God, would you give me a make me a stronger leader. And then people come and say, I've been praying that God will make me a stronger leader, but then he put me in this place at work where I just show everybody what to do and I have to help organize them and stuff. It drives me crazy. I thought you wanted to be a leader. Yeah, aren't you leading? Oh my gosh. He put me where I have to be a leader. Yeah, because you wanted to develop leadership skills. John, I think it's important to remember that we, that last line in that verse, she didn't read the end of Romans um, for we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. We can't do these things in our own ability. 
That's why we have to be growing. Our relationship with Christ has to be the most important because the Holy Spirit will give us the desire and the power to do these things that we aren't capable of doing in our own strength. Yeah, that's why he gives us his Holy Spirit. He knows how hard this is. But this brings us to point C. God uses marriage relationships as platforms to show others what Jesus looks like. When you see these polished rocks, I mean, they're beautiful. All kinds of striations and imperfections are turned into something that's beautiful here. I mean, this is amazing. And the same thing happens when people see two people love each other and work through their problems. They go through disappointments, times of richer and poorer, better and worse, sickness and health. And people are watching that. They are. I mean, God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them male and female. He created them. So we both have a part in this. Yeah, we're, we're different, and, um, but both of us represent God in the different attributes that we have, male and female traits that we tend to think of as distinctly male or female. Together, we represent God fully to a world that's desperate to know who God is. So it's a, as we become more Christ-like, we represent him better to the hurting world. Yeah, first of all, we represent him to our neighbors. I mean, this is what Jesus told his disciples. You're the light of the world, a town built on a hill that cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand. It gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so they can see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. I mean, our marriage is like a stand because other people who are married, they're with us during the hard times when kids go through junk at school or they, they, were, they saw us how we handled it when a storm came through the neighborhood or they saw it when we worked through a problem and they know we weren't getting along, but how'd you work through that? Be careful to live properly among your unbelieving neighbors. This is 1 Peter 2. Then if they accuse you of doing wrong, they'll see your honorable behavior. And they give honor to God when he judges the world. Well, how do we learn honorable behavior? Over and over again, putting the other person first, forgiving each other, not giving up. And so the things we think are the worst part of marriage actually help us be the best possible display of God's forgiveness of God putting people first, of Jesus enduring all the way to the cross. John, and it's not that we handle everything perfectly as believers. It's not that our lives are perfect. It's just we get to share the ups and the downs, and they see us, they can see that. It's like, okay, well, they're not perfect, but they keep going. Oh, yeah. I mean, we get to demonstrate it for our neighbors. We get to demonstrate it for our kids. Didn't the Lord make you one with your wife? This is Malachi 2. In body and spirit, you're his. And what does God want? He wants godly children from your union. So guard your heart. Remain loyal to the wife of your youth. I mean, our kids see us work through stuff. And they see us getting polished. I mean, it's funny because I have a sister that's 10 years older than I am. And we talk about it. And she goes, well, you know, mom and dad were like this. I go, no, they weren't. They were like this. She goes, oh, well, you got the refined mom and dad. <laughs> and it's true. I did. They'd been polished quite a bit by the time I came into the world. 
that's the way it works. I mean, you talk about it with your younger brother all the time too, right? You got away with murder. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> but it's totally different. But you know, our our kids are in our homes and they're learning. They may be learning things, not all the good stuff, but they're learning. And so as we represent Christ to them, they learn how to do life as adults. Um, I remember such an, an incredible um, example Sorry. of this. Um, that's a pretty I'll, I'll leave him alone. I'll leave him alone. <laughs> I remember one time, um, John, we, somebody had asked us for money or something. We were out as a family and... Um, John, John said, you know what, I'm, I'm not going to give you cash, but I'll give you gas. They need a gas for their car. And he said, well, let me just put gas in your car for you. So he, so he did that and didn't think that much about it. Well, you know, uh, several years later, one of our sons was a teenager. He was out with his friends and somebody asked them for money and he did the exact same thing. He goes, well, why don't we go put gas in your car? And he and his friends went and put gas in this guy's car and it just struck me it's like wow I mean our kids really are watching us and learning how to be Jesus in this broken world yeah and this even works for an unbelieving spouse I mentioned this earlier when Paul and Peter were out sharing the gospel um, obviously some people would come to Christ and their spouses wouldn't I mean that's just the way it works and here's what Peter wrote as a word of encouragement. In the same way, you wives must accept the authority of your husbands. And even if some refuse to obey the good news, your godly lives will speak to them without any words. They'll be won over by observing your pure and reverent lives. I mean, we get a chance to model this. And this is powerful. Paul in 1 Corinthians 7 talks about this too. He goes, you know, if you're willing to stay in that marriage, you could save your whole household. John, this was one of the things that really struck me in this outline was that marriage is everything in my life is, if it's about Jesus and being conformed to his image, then everything in my life has to do with ministry because that's who Jesus was. That's what he did. He spent his entire time on earth telling everyone about his heavenly father and telling people to repent of their sins and to turn to him and showing them how to live in a way that not only brought um, glory to his father, but showed people their need for a savior. And that's what all of these things do. All of these points in our marriage, our marriage is as much about ministry as it is about my personal happiness. I mean, it's, it's about how do I, how do I share my faith with my kids? How do I, uh, I learn and grow and become more like Christ in order to do ministry? And the so answer, that my, my life is a light. And the answer is this. Trust in the Lord and say, Lord, help me cooperate with what you're trying to do here. There's on the back of your outline, you'll see a, a little wedding prayer under the quotation to consider for discussion groups, our connect groups here. May the Lord bless your marriage, grant you fulfillment in it. May he fill you with, all spirit, with spiritual blessings and love. And may he use your marriage to prepare your souls for life everlasting with him. I mean, what if we looked at marriage that way, that marriage is preparing our souls, making us more like Jesus every day? Well, that would give us a different understanding of forgiveness and serving and endurance. Give us a different understanding of that this is a platform. Oh my goodness, it's a powerful platform. I mean, what a tremendous gift. And the last point, back to point D on your outline real quickly is, 
We only have a few years in this world, so we need to make the most of our marriage relationships. If this is what's going on, we need to embrace this. By the way, I don't know if you've thought about this very much, but here's what Jesus said. Marriage is for people here on earth, but in the age to come, in heaven, those worthy of being raised from the dead will neither marry nor be given in marriage, and they will never die again. In this respect, they'll be like the angels. They are children of God and children of the resurrection. In heaven, we will know each other. We'll be good friends, but we won't be married. Yeah, and the first time I really started thinking about that, it just kind of made me sad. You know, it's like, dang, we spent all this time. You finally got me straightened out. I got you in a good place. And it's like, you know, we get to heaven. It's like, really? But you know what? The truth is, John can't satisfy my every need. He's, he's not the goal. Jesus is. And so Jesus is my total satisfaction. And I'll be married to Jesus when we get to heaven. Oh, yeah. I mean, he, will complete, he completes us. John does not complete me. When uh, the, the strongest marriage, we, the strongest relationships we have on earth pale in comparison with the relationships we'll have in heaven. At the beginning of Genesis, it's very clear that God created Eve for Adam. He said, it's not good for the man to be alone. I'll make a companion to be his helper. And they'll go through life together. He told them to be fruitful and multiply. And in their marriage, they'd have a home where they could together raise their kids. And it would be the best environment for that. This is all clear. But in heaven, we won't need those things anymore. Because we'll be in the presence of God himself and with all the saints in glory. And the angels will be there to help us. We'll never worry about loneliness. And we'll never. But we won't be sad about it either. No. It'll be amazing. But that should put a real understanding for us. If I only have a few years in this world, well, then we need to make the most of our marriage now. Hopefully this is a challenge for each of us to celebrate on Valentine's Day, not only the chill bumps and all the other things we get out of a relationship, because I love being married to you. And I need to celebrate that. I need to celebrate how much God has used this woman in my life to rub off some rough edges. He's used other things too. And so if you're single, can God work the rough edges? Yeah, that's probably called the next door neighbor. Okay, anyway, he'll use other people too. I'm just saying this is an incredible opportunity for us. So last reference, Lord, remind me how brief my time on earth will be. Remind me my days are numbered, how fleeting my life is. We don't need to waste one minute of this. We need to quit belly aching about the fact that there are things where we have to put the other person first and forgive and endure. We need to embrace it. Say, Lord, James was right. I need to be joyful about this. Any other thoughts? Then let's pray. Lord, I just thank you that you've given us a tremendous gift of marriage. I just wanted to take us to a different level today of thought on this. It's not just about romance. I love it that you give us romantic feelings toward each other. And I love it that we complete each other and we have companions in this world. And I love it that in heaven, Lord, you're going to meet every need yourself. We're going to see you face to face. But Lord, we have a few years in this world. And if we spend all the time complaining and arguing about whose fault it is, instead of embracing what you're trying to do, we're going to miss it. Help us love each other. Help us forgive each other. Help us do what you're, uh, uh, cooperate with what you're trying to do in our lives. Teach us to serve each other. Please, Lord. 
pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.